0: David Fiorazzo.
1: Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to the podcast. And as always, thank you for sharing. Shout out to our friends at Harbingers Daily, and shout out to our friends at uh, Red—oh, gosh, Red Pill Prince. I almost said Rebel. I'm thinking Rebel News in Canada. They are both in Canada. RedPillPrince.com for picking up our gear and for supplying that to our our listeners. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Everybody that shares the podcast today. Uh, we'll be touching on uh, international issues, including the Agenda 2030 plan and um, just the World, World Economic Forum. We'll talk about George Soros and why he supports quote reform prosecutors. Also, Nancy Pelosi uh, heading over to Taiwan, and also the the prison swap offer that Biden made for. Uh, NBA WNBA player Brittany Griner. You probably heard about that. The Saudi peace plan. We'll try to get to that. A great article by Alex Newman called "Behind the Global War on Farming." It is phenomenal. It's at various outlets, including the Epic Times, and Christian nationalism. Can you even define it? Well, they're trying to frame a lot of Bible believing. Uh, Christians as these evil white supremacists or Christian nationalists. will explain why and how the left and the mainstream media are doing it. Um, and there's a phenomenal article from just a month ago now, really, really good, from David Kupelian, um, who wrote a phenomenal book about 10 years ago called The Marketing of Evil. And his article is called, Why Ruling Elites Hate and Fear Genuine Christians. So let's bring in today's guest to talk about all this and try to get some perspective from John Haller, lawyer, elder, teacher, pastor, known for his weekly prophecy updates, and he's with Fellowship Bible Chapel in Ohio, and you want to check out the YouTube channel where you can check out his prophecy updates. John, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs>
2: Good to be back, David.
1: Yeah, and also you're, there's so much going on in the world and in America. You've uh, been almost forced to do a midweek update. <laughs> how much? How many of those have you done?
2: Uh, I well, the last the week before I did a couple, and then sometimes I do other interviews, like with you and and other people. So I'm getting on a couple <laughs> times between Sundays at wow. least. Uh, <sighs> but you know, it, it's sort of sometimes.
1: Okay, okay, we lost John, so I want to go into this first story as we reconnect with Mr. Haller, um, and by the way, I will link his Fellowship Bible Church YouTube channel in today's podcast post at StandUpForTheTruth.com, including in that post a great picture of a young woman and her dog, we're dog lovers here, with a new Stand Up For The Truth shirts in pink, in pink. Okay, so... This first article that I just want to mention, various outlets have picked this up. You've heard the news about um, American basketball player, WNBA, which is really a radicalized sport, if I can say it plainly. Um, and they're really anti-American, and she is one of the most anti-American, thinking we're a um, awful country. Well, now it looks like she's going to be in jail for nine years in Russia. <laughs> so she'll have nine years to appreciate uh, America, the freedoms in America that we enjoy and take for granted. But so I guess she was dealing drugs. She received a prison sentence. Um, and uh, Americans, some people say she was wrongfully detained in Russia. And Joe Biden went to bat for her. And he said, my administration will continue to work tirelessly and pursue every possible avenue to bring Brittany and another person, Paul Whelan, home safely um But the question that I want to ask John Haller, is he back with us? Okay, we're going to reconnect with John. Um, we see the, the opal light still on, but we're not connected. So what I was going to ask John Haller, and I'll just give you my two cents for what it's worth. And I think you know the answer to this if you've been listening to this podcast any length of time and understand how the globalists and the Marxists are operating. Do you think the Biden administration would have gone out of their way to try to work out a pris- prisoner swap? with a pastor, a Christian pastor, or a Christian missionary, maybe in, in Russia or wherever, that was arrested for whatever? Uh, no. I think the answer is clear out no. Um, Joe Biden is not a friend of Christians, not a friend of Israel either. And that's, it's clear, and we'll talk to Mr. Haller about that in a minute. But just this story is a little disturbing, because they were trying to, the administration is trying to negotiate with Russia, um and tr- in exchange they're trying to exchange. Um, if there's a Russian arms trafficker, Victor Bout, they're trying to swap him. That we're I guess we're holding him here uh for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, and the offer appears to have been rejected. So I want to go to John Haller now, John. I just you know you know you probably didn't hear me open up this story about. Um, Russia apparently rejecting Biden's prison swap offer of Brittany Griner. And I made the point that I don't think Biden would have uh, gone out of his way. (laughs) He wouldn't lose any sleep over a Christian pastor or missionary in Russia in prison.
2: So your thoughts? Well, I actually think there are some uh, Christian missionaries, arguably Christian missionaries that are in prison in Russia and, and nobody ever cares about them. Yes, and so she, this uh, basketball player is an activist uh, looking at uh, the courtroom scene yesterday and the tattoos that this person has is just, they're bizarre. I mean, skulls and that sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. just very bizarre. Look, and she knew the rules. And, uh, you know, I saw President Trump, former President Trump made a, a statement about, you know, well, she knew the rules. You know, she needed to be careful when she's going there. And it was a very small amount of this substance, but Russia's pretty strict on that. So, Mm -hmm. uh, they don't take too kindly to that. They put their own people in prison for the same thing. So, yeah, yeah, I agree that if, if it had been a Christian pastor, that there would not been much attention to it. And in fact, I mean, look at what's going on with the January 6th thing. Mm -hmm. Um, the, there's still many people, uh, I don't know if the number is 80, 90, 70, I, I heard different numbers that are still being held in jail without bail. Mm -hmm. And we're over a year and a half after this thing happened. This is just what's happened in our country with this whole January 6th thing has just been absolutely shocking. Now, look, there were people who assaulted police officers and things at the Capitol that really deserved to uh, be tried. There were some, yes. Yeah, they should not have done that. But then I saw an interview with Simone Gold, whom we all know she's with America's Frontline Doctors, and she went to the Capitol. She was she asked somebody, can I go in? And they said, yeah, come in. She walked between the ropes, and then she used a bullhorn that she had to make a speech about the issue, not the election issue, but something else that was important to her. But what they did in this case, this is this is the problem with a weaponized justice system. Mm-hmm. They are overcharging people. Uh, they're charging people like she was charged with a crime that a felony that would have, could have resulted in her being imprisoned for 20 years mm. for walking into the Capitol, Jeez. not doing anything. And you see these pictures, you know, or insurrectionists are going to stop for selfies if they're actually taking over. Yeah, I Capitol. know. So this is a, yeah. this is a propaganda thing and people like Liz Cheney. I hope she's gone in a week and a half when yep. her primary comes up she has become and then her father came out and went after trump and that type of thing and we we can make a lot of we could get into the weeds on january 6th but suffice it to say that you know an unarmed insurrection i guess is what happened because i don't know of anybody who was inside the Capitol who had a weapon
1: no and i wouldn't call it an insurrection and by the way uh john this is very disappointing Because they're using that event, of course, to try to frame anyone that opposes the O'Biden administration. Um, They're really trying to frame a lot of people as domestic terrorists. They've used those words. They've used the terminology. um, uh, Misinformation. Yeah, misinformation and white supremacists. And now Christian nationalists. Let's go there for a couple minutes and talk about how they're now trying to frame those who would, would maybe be, be proud of their country, uh, that we love America, we're thankful for the freedoms, we don't idolize America. And that's, that's a temptation now that we've got to caution Christians about. We don't idolize the flag or America but we are the most blessed, the most free, and we have such an amazing, um, just a, the amazing freedoms and the documents we have, the, the Constitution. But let's consider two mega trends. And now I'm going to just really briefly touch on this article by David Capellian. And, uh, hey, John, there's a lot of echo in the background. I think you could you turn down your volume a little bit. I'm hearing myself in the uh, a very, very loud echo. Okay. Yeah, could you turn that down? Um, so... David Capellian talks about two talks about he, what he calls mega trends that are unfolding simultaneously in the United States. Openly he said uh, there's uh, openly predatory targeting of America's children by legions of gender activists obsessed with seducing, grooming and recruiting kids to the transgender world of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, surgical amputation of healthy body parts and of course this is causing astronomical suicide rates. Transgenderism is being praised, promoted by the ruling class and the White House. Number two, the megatrend, and this is where we're going to talk briefly about. The second megatrend that Capellian states is, well, this uh, sexual gender anarchy is exploding nationwide. Alongside of it is the rest of the Biden agenda, from engineering an ever-expanding foreign invasion of America across its southern border, to destroying the nation's fossil fuel industries, to bringing the U.S., To the brink of nuclear war with Russia, the very same political, financial, cultural, and sexual revolutionaries responsible for all of this chaos have finally dared to come out and publicly identify, here we go, who exactly they consider to be their biggest enemy, and that is Christians, Bible-believing, Judeo-Christian, morals-affirming, Ten Commandments, and Sermon on the Mount-loving Christian believers, they're calling us a Christian nationalists, maybe conservative fascists, and John Haller, your response to what we're hearing in the media more and more and from the administration
2: well we we live in an era we live in an era that uh, that George Orwell talked about in the book 1984 where they are creating these narratives. so you know uh, yes. uh, Klaus Schwab, his second book in his series after. The Great Reset was the great narrative. And so what you see is they're trying to create these narratives. So you have this whole committee on January 6th at the Capitol that's trying to create a narrative about January 6th to get you to believe something that might not necessarily be true. You, you see and, – and you see this, and I think David Kupelian is correct. And, in fact, it's interesting. He's talked about bringing us to the nuclear war – brink of nuclear war with Russia – Uh, His article was written about July 5th. Now we're at the brink of nuclear war with China. Yes. I mean, just shows how quickly these things are changing. Mm -hmm. And it is true that there is, I do believe, I don't know if I would say it's a war on Christians, but it is a war on people that don't agree with the narrative of the ruling elites that are in charge and the people that oppose it. And the, the examples of this are legion. And in fact, in late J- July, on July twenty fourth, CNN had an article, um, and I think I forgot to send this one to you, titled "An Imposter Christianity Is Threatening America, Demo- American Democracy." Hmm. And, and you know, this is an interesting thing, is because we we do we live in a republic, but there are we do vote on certain things. We make certain decisions, like some states have enacted bans, largely banning abortion. Other states have not. That's a democratic process. And so, what the the left did was they, they knew that they couldn't win on the abortion issue, so they got it, the court to decide it. But the courts are, and the court legislated a right to abortion. And the Dobbs decision came in and said, and Justice Alito said, listen, we need to, that, that is, that's not the way it works. And Justice Thomas came out and said this myth of this thing we call substantive due process, which has allowed a lot of these rights, same sex marriage, abortion, others to come into play. This is a made up thing and it's very dangerous because whoever has the power can expand or contract your rights. So, uh, Capellian is correct that there is this war on Christians. And we talked about the people being uh, out of um, uh, in, in prison for January 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, I mean, there's some encouraging things up in Alberta, which is one of the most, maybe the most or second most conservative province in Canada, uh, you know, Senator, uh, uh Reverend Art Pawlowski, yes Pastor. has had yep. a lot of run-ins, Pastor Art Pulowski has had these run-ins with the Albertan government. Uh, he was put in prison, I mean, and, and spent, my understanding is, up to maybe five months in solitary confinement because he would not close down his church during uh, the COVID restrictions that were put in place by what everybody thought was a conservative minister of health in Alberta. He was recently, by the way, he eventually made it to the Court of Appeals in Alberta a week or two ago. And uh, and it, it's interesting. Him getting put in prison gets all kinds of press. Him getting out gets nothing. And what yep. the Alberta court said was everything that had been done to this man was illegal and wrong, and he was to be released immediately. There was also a lady, I believe her name was Tara Lynch, who had been involved with the trucker protest in Canada. Uh, she was put out on bail, and her bail conditions were, you can't talk to anybody about anything. And there was an allegation that she had violated that. She was hauled into prison, put in solitary confinement, restricted access to even her attorneys, but she was finally, after Art got, Pastor Art got released, she was also released, but the interesting thing when the, the she was brought into court there in Alberta, the magistrate said, take her shackles off. She was leading a protest on an ideological issue. Wow. She was put in shackles hmm. to bring her into court. This is part of the narrative, and this tyrant that they have in charge up in Canada is is tearing everything down. So they, they've had this, and we can talk about this when we talk about the farmer protests more because it's related to that. Yes, But this is happening everywhere. So the interesting thing is there there's always this statement that people make is you can't legislate morality. This is absolute nonsense. <laughs> All legislation is a moral statement. That's right. For example, we might, enact a welfare to allow welfare to certain people who don't meet you know don't have certain means in society that's a moral statement that it's good to help those people so every legislation that's enacted is a moral statement Mm -hmm. so when you see these school boards and all these other organizations putting in this transgender agenda yep uh i i think i on uh, I think it was past Monday you played some clips from the head of the NEA yep. who spent more time in her speech talking about we're going to protect the right to abortion, we're going to protect the right to trans we're going to protect the LGBT right yes Go, why don't you just teach the kids to read yeah <laughs> Uh, And so I I think at this point, by the way, sidebar commentary here, I I think that Christians really need to remove their kids from the schools at this point. that
1: should go without saying, but because it's such an important issue, we will say it at the risk of being redundant. Get your kids out of the stinking Marxist globalist schools that are promoting (laughs) anything and everything except biblical Christianity. They are promoting religion, by the way, but it seems to be humanism. Secularism, liberalism, this this religion of sex, the LGBTQ—that's almost a religion as well. You remove—I've said this so many times, John. We've just got a minute left in this segment already. Uh, you remove God, the Bible, prayer, uh, the Ten Commandments, Jesus from the, from anywhere—the public school, the public square—that leaves a pretty major, a huge void, and it, it will be filled with something. And the public schools, for the last fifty, seventy-five years, sure have filled. That void. But we've got to talk when we come back, John, about Ron DeSantis in Florida. Love what he's doing. Uh, he's got, in fact, this just in the Florida Board of Medicine, because of the DeSantis administration request, they are considering uh, banning sex reassignment for minors. That's good news. And some other things that DeSantis is doing, we'll talk about that. Uh, plus the Saudi peace plan and the global war on farming. When we come back on Stand Up for
0: the Truth, your monthly financial support of standupforthetruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up for the Truth with David Fiorazzo. Pastor John Haller
1: is with us, and we are now talking about Governor Ron DeSantis. Come on, guys, come on, you in blue states. Don't be jealous, don't be hating. Uh, we wish we had him as a governor. Um, But hopefully uh, our our emperor, I mean, our our governor here in Wisconsin will be voted out um, in November. So, John, great news that uh, DeSantis uh, is pushing back against radicals like Disney. And uh, now he's he's got the Florida Board of Medicine considering, which should be common sense, not sexual or not physically mutilating minors. Because they think they're, they want to be, or they think they are the opposite gender and they want to have body parts removed or reassigned, which, you know, you can't reassign what God designed and created in the first place. But now let's go on to the next story, still in Florida. Uh, DeSantis made headlines by suspending a Democrat state attorney for vowing to not enforce abortion restrictions or Prohibitions on child sex changes. John, get us up to speed on this story.
2: Yeah, so let me lead up to that. It, the other day, uh, earlier this week, there was an op ed in the Wall Street Journal of all places written by George Soros. Now, you, let's go back just a, a year or so ago. Newt Gingrich was on Fox News, uh, and uh, with that, uh, what's her name? Aaron Neville. And he brought up that Soros was funding these left-wing prosecutors, and they cut him off on Fox News. They cut him off from saying that. Newt was only relating articles from the New York Times, The Washington Post, that talked about how Soros was funding these left-wing yep. prosecutors all over the country. True. The numbers are that there's about 75 of them. Hmm. Uh, Chaz Boudin, who was just voted out in San Francisco. Uh, George Gascon in Los Angeles, uh, the lady in St. Louis, Boston, Baltimore, all these places. And so what the, the prosecutor, uh, state attorney in Tampa, which is a major city, I mean, the former firm, or the law firm I used to be with, has a huge office in Tampa. Mm-hmm. It's a big city. And he said, listen, when the Black Lives Matter thing happened, there were 65 people arrested. He refused to prosecute them. Um uh, wow. He also came out, he issued a letter, said, hey, I, when Dobbs decision came down, I'm not going to enforce any laws related to abortion. So if you criminalize abortion, I won't uh, prosecute anybody that way. He also said, if you restrict uh, sex, sex change surgeries or make it a crime for somebody to do this, like it's not informed consent, I won't prosecute those. And to his credit yesterday, Uh, Governor DeSantis of the free state of Florida came out and said, listen, as a prosecutor, your job is to enforce the law. You don't get to veto a law. I get to veto the law. The legislature can override it or not, but you as a prosecutor do not. So all of these radical prosecutors, and this is what's happening. They, they, in, in, in New York recently, there was the guy, the, Guy in a bodega got attacked by he was uh, Hispanic. He got attacked by a black man in a in a convenience store, and he picked up a knife and stabbed the guy to death and was charged with second degree murder and denied bail. But then all these people you see these kids beating up cops when they're being arrested and they're immediate they're out on bail before the cop gets back to the station. Hmm. Wow, you know, or it goes to lunch. And so it's, it's tearing our society apart. Crime rates are up. Murder rates are up 30, 40% in some cities. Chicago would, I mean, what rational person would go to Chicago right now for a, a weekend visit? Exactly. We used to go up there all the time when we were in our early days of our marriage. Yeah, so, years ago. Yeah. Uh, even, even 10 years ago, we would have, but it's not safe. So these prosecutors, so DeSantis just, he came out and he said, listen, you don't get to do this. I am suspending immediately this guy from being a state attorney in Tampa. And there was a huge crowd there consisting of sheriffs of uh, Hillsborough County there in Tampa and surrounding counties and prosecutors in the office there that have been restricted from prosecuting crimes. And they applauded and cheered when DeSantis did this. And it's about time that governors and other places step up and do the same thing because these people are acting lawlessly. Hmm. Soros says, well, you know, I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to change the criminal justice system. And he is, and he's being very successful. The prosecutor and uh, the state attorney in Tampa, though, he would never admit that Soros had funded his campaign. But when you uh, peel back the, the layers of the onion, you find that these there's these uh, NGO companies that have been set up, nonprofits that are Soros-funded, and those they were putting things into his campaign. One which was something to support Black Lives Matter. So that's why the Black Lives Matter people didn't get prosecuted. I mean, it's just it's terrible what's happening. I, a former colleague of mine had been the city <clears throat> became the city attorney in Seattle, and he wasn't enforcing things. He's out now, but they've got another uh, knucklehead in there to do the same thing.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about George Soros now because it kind of goes into one of the articles we wanted to talk about. He put an opinion um, article out on why he supports reform prosecutors, and he said he's, he's been involved in efforts to reform the criminal justice system for more than 30 years. He calls himself a philanthropist. We might have other adjectives to describe him. Uh, but he talks about the system being rife with injustices, and he especially points to black people in the U.S. being five times as likely to be sent to jail as white people. And he says we spend $81 billion every year keeping about 2 million people in prisons and jails. Now, who can forget Kamala Harris bailing out felons at the Minneapolis Freedom Fund when they were um, rioting and looting and vandalizing streets across the country? That case was in Minneapolis, and they were blowing up police cars. She was bailing them out of prison. So they're working on reforming
2: the system John your thoughts on this and what what their goals well, are it reminds me of a Los Angeles Times editorial a number of years ago where they were essentially saying is crime rates have fallen in Los Angeles but it we don't under you know but this is being done in light in at the same time the prison population is increasing they couldn't they're so Um, stupid, I guess. I don't know what else to say that they can't see the connection is, yeah, we're putting the bad people who commit a lot of the crimes in prison and the crime rate is going to go down. That's sort of how it works. But they can't see that because they, they only look at prison as racist. Now, listen, we do have a problem in that one community that seems to have a disproportionate amount of crime associated with it. We also know that when I was, when I was a kid back in the sixties, Senator Patrick Moynihan, who was a classic liberal Democrat, had come out and said, we have a problem in the black community in America because 29% of the children are born to out of wedlock Hmm. with no fathers in the home. Wow. That number is now 75 or 80%. And so what, what is going to happen? I mean, it, it, it's clear. I mean, look, the Judeo Christian thing that would encourage fathers, mothers in the home to raise kids, it's, it's being torn apart. And when it's torn apart, there's a consequence to that. And if you talk about, it, oh, you're, I know I will get emails from somebody <laughs> today that will say, you're just a racist. You're just a racist. Now, look, I have a master's degree in criminology. So I understand a little bit about the system. I worked in the prison system when I was in graduate school. In a federal prison. And I could see what would happen even among the white guys. Hmm. Okay. It was almost like 80% didn't have a father at home. Hmm. Even among them. So that's the common problem. Yep. It's not a racial thing. It's a it's a it's a the a moral thing of how you conduct yourself.
1: Yeah, we're not doing much to address the fatherlessness issue. I mean, since the nineteen sixties, and John I don't want to open up this big can, but Lyndon Johnson's great society and ballooning the federal government and trying to, quote, eradicate poverty and promising to take care of inner city people and poor people. We're much worse now. Where There are more poor, there's more inner issues. There is more fatherlessness. In fact, I think Alan West and Ben Carson, I've heard them talk about different stats on something like over 70 to 75 percent of um, black families in the inner cities are single mothers. Now, it's just yes. an amazing, um huge issue that the government doesn't seem to want to address. Briefly, your thoughts, because we we don't look to those issues. We always look to the wrong way to try to fix something.
2: Well, it again, it goes back to the narrative thing. So, you know, for example, we hear this, the war. Uh, Heather McDonald wrote a book called The War on Cops. She writes at City Journal. Yes. Uh, I would highly recommend you, I think she writes for Claremont Institute also, you I would highly recommend you read some of her stuff because she's dug into the statistics and, you know, you think everybody says, well, you know, the cops are killing young black men. Okay. The the percentage of encounters of white people who are killed by cops and encounters is higher than black people and cops themselves are 400 times more likely to be killed in one of those encounters than the other way around. But that doesn't fit the narrative. So we've created this narrative through the funding of organizations called Black Lives Matter. And I will submit to you that under the Obama administration, a lot of these big financial settlements with financial institutions out of the 2008-2009 financial crisis, billions of dollars were funneled, laundered, What I don't care what you call it, were funneled to these left-wing NGOs to Mm -hmm. fund them. So, you know, Republicans are always trying to raise money to fight against this stuff. They're using government settlements of billions of dollars to fund their left-wing NGOs. This is a, a scandal of epic proportions that nobody ever talks about. And it's, it's clear that this is happening. And now Zoros comes along, and he's dumping billions into this. Zuckerberg, in a couple states, spent $450 million in the 2020 election to deal with local election people. Now organizations like Bannon and Steve Bannon as his war room and, you know, trying to get people involved in local elections. Oh, they're trying to steal the elections and everything. No, they're just trying to make sure the election is fair. Look at what's happening in Arizona this morning. I just checked. They had an election on Tuesday. This morning, they still have only counted 81% of the votes. What is up with that? Wait a minute. And Wait. the lady who's running Jeez. the Secretary of State's office, who's put in this mail-in stuff, and it slows down the vote counting, she's going to be the candidate for governor. But she's running for governor. It appears she's going to be running against Kerry Lake on the Republican side. But she's still the Secretary of State until January, so she's going to be the Secretary of State overseeing the election that she's running against somebody else against for governor. Wow,
1: unbelievable! <laughs> it's
2: it's a scandal of epic yep. proportions. Yeah, so. unbelievable.
1: So let's go briefly back to Soros because I love. I want to get to Tom Cotton's response. What a great senator! Um, uh, so Soros is saying. Uh, that we treat drug addiction as a disease, not a crime. And he also says that his system, I guess, seeks to end the criminalization of poverty. In other words, we're penalizing people for being poor, uh, according to Soros. Uh, he talks about aiming at both safety and justice. And also he says murder rates have been rising fastest in some Republican states led by tough on crime politicians. I, there's no, nothing to back that up. He just throws that out there. He talks about mental illness. He talks about COVID lockdowns, talks about gun trafficking. So let's talk about Senator Tom Cotton's response. And I'll let you go after I just say that he, Cotton said, few men have done more to harm public safety and justice in America than George Soros. John Haller, go ahead.
2: I, I agree with Senator Cotton. Uh, Correctly Look, when, when I was in graduate school back in the 70s, um, approaching, you know, 50, years, almost 50 years ago, there was this thing that we didn't want to label people as a as a criminal because that would uh, affect them for the rest of their life. And so this is all that stuff. And this was all based on critical theory. It's now morphed into critical race theory. But one of the first books I read in my criminology program, my professor gave me this book by Quinney, a guy named Quinney called Critique of Legal Order. And it was pure Marxism. Hmm. And I I went to the professor. I was a graduate assistant. He was in the office next door. I didn't work for him. But I said, you know, Bob, don't give me this garbage to read anymore. I'll give you the answer you want because I want my A. But this is, you know, (laughs) in your heart, this is absolute nonsense and um uh, so but and, you know look I've gone to a Christian college and I've been exposed to marxism but never at that level and that was in 1976 uh, wow and so this is and so this is what soros is doing he's a marxist communist globalist and he's just trying to tear everything down
1: well america to replace it, it, it. Yeah. Tar- target number 1 uh america and the west Um, uh, Tom Cotton continued by saying Mr. Soros' prosecutors practice nullification. They have refused to enforce laws against entire categories of crime, from shoplifting to disturbing the peace and prostitution. They even coddle violent career criminals agreeing to sweetheart plea deals, demanding low or no bail, Uh, in parentheses, see Kamala Harris and what she did before she became VP, and circumventing three-strikes laws. Mr. Mr. Soros doesn't live in neighborhoods that he made so unsafe, but many Americans do. The only good Soros prosecutor is a defeated Soros prosecutor. We must recall, remove, and replace every last one of them. I agree, but John Haller, how do we do that? It will be a lot of
2: work. Yeah, I know. Look, there was a guy recently arrested for a crime. I cannot remember the crime or the state or where it happened, but it was clear that he had done it. I mean, it's on video and everything. He was let, oh, it was the the attack on the uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate in uh, New York. Yeah. Uh, he was up around Rochester, New York, doing a speech, and a guy came and uh, had a knife and everything. And the guy who's running for governor as Republican there is a sitting congressman of the United States right now. I mean, he's currently serving in Congress. And that he went, even the prosecutor in that rural Upstate New York thing because of the New York statutes. He was out on bail almost immediately. And my, my view was hold him in jail over the weekend. You got it on video. You got witnesses, put him on trial on Tuesday and send him off to jail for 15 years. <laughs> I mean, why, and you know, so I, he may never get tried. I mean it's just now he has been charged with a federal crime for attacking a congressman which is kind of an amazing thing that the uh, US attorney up there would do that uh in light of the Merrick Garland thing. So mm-hmm. that was encouraging but it's just this lack of bill thing it's just tearing everything down.
1: Well we're 1 minute left in this segment. We're in a new place here in America John because uh, as we saw in 2020 the godlessness, lawlessness that by the way is prophetic that was allowed on our streets and uh governors or our government telling police to stand down. I've never seen we've never seen anything like that in our lifetimes, and um, we've got uh, the left and and elites like Soros, powerful people uh, pushing for more of that. They just want chaos. They just want crisis. They want to cause another crisis and then be the ones that come in and solve the crisis. We know the drill. We'll see it again. but let's uh, when we come back with John Haller, let's talk about what's behind the global war on farming. And on ranchers, it has something to do with the Agenda 2030 and Sustainable Development Goals. We'll talk about that and plus get to China when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth.
0: Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All
1: right, John Haller is our guest right into this phenomenal article by Alex Newman. Uh, another guest of the podcast, love him. One of my favorite journalists. Uh, you need to go to Liberty Sentinel. Go to the Newman Report. Look up the New American. Uh, look up Alex at FreedomProject uh, dot com. But here in the Epic Times, this is called "Behind the Global War on Farming." Experts say the UN World Economic Forum development goals are at the root of policies that could lead to food shortages. Uh, John Haller, there's, it's an extensive article. Yeah. Where do you want to go in it?
2: Yeah, it was front page, Epic Times on July 27th, if people want to look it up. So listen, Alex was exactly right that, uh, what we're seeing is a war on farming. So th- let me just give you the brief, hi- very, very brief history. Sri Lanka enacted rules. They were touted back in 2019 and 2020. Sri Lanka is the model for how we're going to implement the green agenda to get control of farming and fertilizer and all of this stuff. So they put in a rule, put it, it just went into place like in early uh, May, I think that we're going to do only organic farming, got to stop all the fertilizers and stuff. Production yields in the farms in Sri Lanka dropped by 50%, almost overnight. Overnight, they went from a rice exporting country to a rice importing country the government has failed. The economy has collapsed. The gov- the former prime minister was saying, we're the, the example in the world of this. He has fled, uh, I think, to Singapore, where I think he probably has some investments uh, that he set aside. And he's gone, and it's still in chaos. Then what you saw was they put in these rules, similar rules on use of nitrogen and stuff in the Netherlands, which is one of the top five ec- food exporting countries in the world. A lot of it is Dairy. So they put in restrictions on uh, nitrogen, and it was going to require dairy farms and other farms and other farming to reduce anywhere from 30 to 90% in the midst of a worldwide food crisis, mm-hmm. in part because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, but we have droughts all over the world. Yields are falling. Uh, Texas, Kansas, United States, Desert Southwest, yields are fall- I mean, we're just in a major food crisis in the world. If anybody – you've seen nothing yet is my mm. fear. Okay, this is going to get worse. Well, now they've taken those – and so they had farmer protests in the Netherlands. Then mm-hmm. now those rules are being implemented in Canada, which is another one of the most major things. So look at what they've done in Canada. Canada and the Netherlands, they're run by these World Economic Forum, global leadership uh, graduates, Mark Ruti in the Netherlands and, and Justin Trude- Baby Trudeau in uh in Canada and they're putting in these things and it's restricting farming and it's like we're in the midst of a food crisis what mm. are you doing but it all relates back you can kind of circle back to the sustainable development goals which are being implemented in corporations this is very fascist fascism uh, being implemented here in the way that they're doing this ESG thing and the ESG thing Is environmental, social and governments. It's being pushed by some of the big accounting firms. It's the green groups in the United States are being funded by Russia to push this Hmm. because it shuts down energy production in the United States. And then we have to buy gas from elsewhere, or we're just plugging our cars to a grid that is already under stress. And as one of the congressmen pointed out to the secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg last week, uh, Secretary Buttigieg, do you know that it takes four times more electricity to charge somebody's car over the course of a year in Texas than it does for them to cool their home with air conditioning? Where are you going to get the power from? And he said, and he he wouldn't answer the question, which is always an example, always an indication that the person is lying. So, (laughs) so Alex was right. Sustainable development goals. (laughs) Yeah. Buttigieg's If you don't answer a question, yeah. I mean, I know that's shocking. <laughs> uh, when people avoid the question, they're lying. I mean, that's, that's sort of rule number one when you're questioning somebody in a deposition or a trial as a lawyer, the person that has answer the question, you just know that they're not telling the truth. So, um, so th- this ESG stuff funded by pushed by Saudi Arabia also, because like, look what happens with Saudi Arabia. The, Oil production and gas production is is less than in the United States. And now there's a demand and the price of oil. Now, the price of oil is down a little bit, but the price of oil goes up. Saudi Arabia makes more money. And now, you know, the king of Saudi Arabia or soon to be king of Saudi Arabia, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, is pushing his plans for this city called Neon. If you want to know more about this, look at my recent Prophecy updates where I talk about this. The city, yes. a trillion dollar city that's supposed to have 9 million people, uh, uh 75 miles long, 200 meters wide, and 1,500, uh, 1,500 feet tall. Hmm. Uh, wall, mirrored wall on each side. Very bizarre thing. It's just, uh, some people think that it could qualify as the end times Babylon and they're, and they're, they're funding it now. So, there's all this push, but you understand that this World Economic Forum thing is behind this. In fact, Yuval Harari, last year, I found an article recently. There's dozens and hundreds of hours of videos of him that I've been going through. Yeah, people we need to know who He did this article last is. week where he yeah. said the greatest crime in human history is animal farming. Wow. Uh, of course, he's vegan, but does he wear a leather belt or shoes? Um, so that you know, there's a tremendous amount of hypocrisy there. Well, but there is a war on farming, mm-hmm. and it's de- it's deliberate. It's a world, and they act like, well, it? yeah, just just eat the uh, eat bugs. Uh, it's it's shocking, but this is all controlled from this global elitist world economic forum.
1: Can we 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 are not seeing severe food. Shortage issues or supply issues. We've seen supply issues, maybe when it comes to lumber and other things, certain products, baby food, and other things. But America has been very blessed, and um, we've not we've we've not seen what some countries are already uh, seeing and being hurt by. But I do want to go back earlier in Alex Newman's article, behind the global war on farming, where he kind of introduces the United Nations seventeen sustainable sustainable development goals he calls them sdgs sustainable development goals are 17 of them and then he talks really right up front about the un backed uh, sustainability policies on agriculture food production uh shortages of critical go- this this will lead to things that are going to affect all of us and he insists and others so many others have written that there's a, an agenda behind it but one thing he said was the talked about the UN conference on human settlements known as Habitat 1 where the agreement stated that land cannot be treated as an ordinary asset controlled by individuals so they're coming against private land ownership and they're saying that it that contributes to social injustice when people can own whatever land they Want to purchase? So, share your thoughts. That's pretty. Yeah,
2: that's David, pretty concerning. What, what you should learn from that. I actually went back uh, after I read Alex's article, and I sort of dug back and did the research. In fact, I think I talked about this last Sunday. But what they did was this: this meeting took place at the UN in 1976. That's when I was starting, graduating from college, and starting graduate school. Mm. And they were talking about social injustice. You could take that discussion and the paper that came out of that, the the document that came out of that and transport it forward to 2022. And they're talking about the same things. So what mm. you learn from that is this has been, I think you might've talked about this with Andy Woods on Tuesday or somebody else this week, the long march through the institutions to take over everything and to tear it down. Antonio
1: Gramsci. And so this has yep. been
2: going on for a long time. So you take that, statement about private property. In mm-hmm. fact, they said we need to really shut down private property ownership because this is not good for the common good. You, you then see that world economic forum quote that was very famous about what they were trying to accomplish in the coming years, you will own nothing and be happy. Mm. And so now you see these things that the way it's being implemented at the ESG sensitive uh, corporations of the world For example, BMW, everything is becoming a service. You you own a car with heated seats made by BMW. If you want to use the heated seats, because there's a kill switch in your car, so if you're driving too much, they can shut it off. But if you want to use the heated seats, you pay $18 per month for that. Everything is becoming a service. Wow. And I've been to Internet of Things um technology seminars yeah. and that sort of thing and this is what they're talking about everything will become a service and you won't own anything uh, you'll 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 rent a car when you need it if if there's a car available to be uh, available it's just there it, every the radical change that's taking place in this world is just absolutely mind-boggling and it's setting up this is where Bible prophecy comes in yes it's setting up a global system. And it's it's tied to social credit scores. In China, they're in major economic crisis. They've shut down people's access in some banks to their savings account. They said, well, uh, those are no longer savings accounts. Those are investments. And we will help manage them for you. So you can't get your money out. Mm. So there have been protests. There have been tanks put in the street. There were protests, people going to protest. You had to have a COVID pass that was green. You have to have a green pass to go someplace. So they get on the train. They take the train to another city, and as they're trying to exit the train station, they have to scan their QR code, their green QR code. It turns red,
0: hmm.
2: and now they're put into, they're detained by the police, and put on a train back home. That's and that's a social credit system. And then China comes out and says, "Oh well, you know, that, probably the local authorities were uh, going too far in that. We're we're sorry about that, <laughs> but it hasn't changed. Now they're doing it." And it's the social credit system. So it, I, I guess I want to convey the idea that all of this stuff is very intricately connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so fortunately, I mean, look, I look at Alex Newman. He's a young guy. I think he's in his 30s, and he gives you a lot of hope uh, that there's a few younger people that are actually getting this. Yes. But, they're few and far between and you got to treat them like they're gold because yeah, they're, right. they're very important to, the, you know, I'm an older guy now and, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll probably get out of here. But look, I have, I have friends who are farmers, uh, clients, and they say that this year you're not going to see that much in the way the yields are going because even though the inputs cost a lot more, the soil still sort of had some of the nitrogen and stuff in it that it needed. Next year though is going to be. Uh, the yields are going to start to fall. Hmm. You need to know, too, Netherlands, Canada, putting in these restrictions. Yeah. They're buried in regulations oh of the Ob- of uh, Biden administration. Yes. And so that's going to come to the United States as well, and it's tearing down the whole system.
1: Yep, I saw that in Alex Newman's article as well, what, what, what Canada is doing, what other countries. Um, another thing, it's interesting, it's like this is almost on purpose. I mean, you, President, uh, let me just say, the man in the White House, um, Joe Biden, and U.N. World Food Program Chief David Beasley warn of looming food shortages worldwide. But it seems like their very policies and their regulations are either causing some of this or making it worse, aren't they?
2: Yeah. And you, you also have the yeah, it's absolutely true. And you also have the war in Ukraine and Russia. Uh, you know, that their grain comes out from the Black Sea. So Ukraine is the fourth largest wheat producing mm-hmm. and, and grain producing country on the planet. In fact, there's an old Atlantic Council article where they said Ukraine has the ability, because of the soil, eight feet of really rich topsoil, it could feed the world if properly managed. But now everything is locked up. Now, over the last couple of days, there have been three or four... uh Cargo ships that have been able to make their way through the mine ports of Odessa uh, in Ukraine, and they're going down to Turkey to be inspected. They're gonna. The first one is supposed to go to Lebanon. You might remember two years ago yesterday, Lebanon had that massive port explosion, mm. the third largest non non nuclear explosion in human history. Mm. It destroyed the grain silos where the grain was stored. They're still there. Nothing's been done for two years. Lebanon is in major crisis. This plays into. Potential Middle East conflicts with Israel, which plays into Bible prophecy and Iran and Russia all being involved in this. So this, I mean, there's so many things that are connected here. So I know we're not going to get to the Middle East today. I would. Yeah. I don't usually recommend myself. I'm going to talk about (laughs) a potential Saudi peace plan on Sunday. Great. Great. Go to fbchapel.com or Fellowship Bible Chapel. We also have an app now that you can download. Oh, good. And we are streaming live to our app. So I talk at 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. It's also on our YouTube channel, Rumble, all these other different places. Real FBC on Rumble, Fellowship Bible Chapel on YouTube. And so sometimes on YouTube, I don't talk about some of the uh, <clears throat> uh, forbidden topics yes, because right, I don't right. want to. our channel. I got a strike recently because I had quoted somebody and I said I quoted somebody that you agree with, and they said, oh, you know, right, that really shouldn't be a strike because we do agree with that person, so they took the strike away. Well, glad you're on Rumble, and
1: John Haller, thanks so much for your time. We could do three hours with you, and we have you on. We'll do it again, uh, hopefully, in a few weeks. God bless you, brother. So coming up, we've got, uh, well, I just want to mention some guests in the next couple weeks. Jan Markell, Doreen Virtue, Alex Newman, Pastor Jack Hibbs, and God bless you. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.